Hello, good evening, welcome to another, uh, what is turning out to be another on-the-road gentleman's agreement remix edition of the Cantina MX podcast. Sean ustedes bienvenidos, amigos aficionados, al único podcast donde hay un idiota manejando y charlando de fútbol mexicano. That is me, John Chagoo, glad to have you guys with us. Here on the Cantina Metis podcast, we have a whole bunch of stuff to get to tonight. As always, my uh, partner in crime joining me, and I'm sure we'll have other folks join us a little later, but uh, over in uh, Southern California, Joel Aceves joins us. Joel, how are you, sir? Greetings, John. I am doing pretty good. It's... Now, Joel, yes, please. Well, I was just saying, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting week for Mexican football, a lot of talking points, uh, so it makes it makes this for a should make for an interesting interesting podcast. You're absolutely right, Juan. There's Kirk, a lot of things we can get to. We can. I wish I could have. I can't uh, have a cold one drink. right now. Oh yeah, or, oh, yeah. you don't have to rub it in. You, you don't have to rub it in. No, well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. But you know. You're right, Juan. It's a very interesting week. You're 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 there in Southern California. Uh, I know. Tata, Tata Martino came. I missed California. him. Well, well, see, you don't you don't, Juan. We're trying to we're trying to establish credibility. <laughs> what I was going to ask you was, did, did 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 you visit with him before or after his press conference? Hey. And and you go and say I missed him, so you know I, I can't even ask you anything. Hey, would I known? You know, because he was fairly accessible since he was at LA Live. He was uh, photographed at the Starbucks with Carlos Vela. And I, I yes, wanted to see what they were drinking. Is you're drinking a double soy latte with extra foam. When you know what kind of coffee is he or is he just straight coffee black? You he was know? drinking a he was drinking a a tetra a shot. A tetra <laughs> shot espresso with salt because he because he he doesn't, you know, a man like that doesn't need sugar for anything. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, he, yeah, he, there's going to be two friendlies in, in, in the U.S. So that Shock, was the, what, what, shocking, shocking development. Shocking development. And, uh, yeah. so he's, he's doing the press conference for that and he's taking, uh, he's taking advantage to talk to the LA based players, which is, uh, the Dos Tragos. Or Dos Antros brothers, Gio and Jonathan, and then uh, of course Carlitos Vela, who who I still would say he's easily top three most talented Mexican player right now in La Selección. Yeah, there's no question. Let's check and see how they're doing. Um, you know, and at the press conference, you know, he says, you know, just says you, know, you can just go down the list of what every <laughs> and they're not just any Mexican, they're just any national team, but, but it seems like it's specifically Mexico national team coach, yeah. you know, you know, everyone's available. Yeah. You no, know, no. Hey, the other one. No, I do not get told what players to call up. Right. You know, <laughs> of course I want to play in the best leagues, but as long as they're playing, it's important. Which of course will come back to bite them when he will inevitably call up some guy that's, you know, getting half met, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, he's already and of course, whenever a coach says stuff like this, you know, the, the first time that he contradicts himself will be 
be a major. Well, you said in your first press conference that club, you know, believe you know A, B, C, and D, and now you're telling us D, E, F, and G. Yeah. What's going and, on? You know, and, uh, why, are, yeah. why, why are you betraying us? Which is the bad thing. I would say my one of my main criticisms of uh, the Mexican media, where it's like they're courting controversy, and and I would say the whole uh, that one question about about uh, if, he, if he's going to be forced to call up or, or uh, I forgot the choice of words, but if players are going to be imposed on him. And it's it's pretty stupid because that, that's been the case for a long time and it happens everywhere. It, it just because it's a business, you know, and, and all these teams and clubs, they have sponsors and a lot of the sponsors, they are tied to certain players as well. They are. They, they, you know? they want... And, uh... Yeah. They, 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 they want to see these guys, uh, you know, with with uh, when they're practicing. Yeah. To be wearing the uh, Banamex logo on their shirt. Yeah, and and if you know, like a company comes, they give a lot of money to the selection or to the club, and they're like, okay, we're going to sponsor the club, and we also have a sponsorship with this player, and it's, it's let's say it's a two-year deal, so of course the player has to be there just because and and. There's just a lot of money coming in. Uh, that's that was. I, so I don't know why why they act all surprised, you know. Later on, it's it's they already know they're just they're just trying to have something to later talk about. File oh, it in the yeah. in the. It's a slow news day. Let's let's attack this. Exactly. Yeah. So so Tata Martino and he talks about Carlos Salcedo. Say, well, of course. You know, you know, we want him to play. You know, we, you know, we want all, all players to play in the best leagues. But and then and this is something we talked about last week. You know, Liga Mexis is not a bad league. It's not. It's not that terrible for a for, for, for a player to you know play and do well in Liga Mexis. It's you know it, it, it's okay. Again, yeah. you know, people get 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 caught up on this whole Europe thing. Hey. And yes, I agree. It, it, it'd be great for Mexican players to play in Europe. But when we have ninety player Mexican players playing in Europe. Then I think it'd be great, but you know, when you only have a dozen, you know, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it won't make that much of a difference. And and I'm a I'm gonna continue beating the dead horse and say that staying behind, like if you stay in the Mexican league, because because people, oh, you know, they try to say you have to leave at a younger age, but I would say like even if you do stay a bit longer, you don't necessarily doesn't mean. You're gonna turn out to be a bad player. So Chicharo is one of the best examples. He went directly to EPL, and he had like a 20 goal season that first year. And and now we're seeing the same with Raúl, who left at like 23, and right now he's one of the top players in in the EPL as well. Right. You know, and then, you know? And, and and if you're gonna make the jump when you're you know when you're that young, you know you know don't don't make the jump to Turkish soccer or to. You know, I, I would even say, you know, I mean, I know that I know that you know that Chico Lozano's over in in Holland, but I mean, to me, if you're going to go to the, the Dutch league, go when you're 17. You know, don't go when you're 22. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you, you know, I know that Carlos Alcido, you know, that I think Carlos Alcido was much better than playing in Eindhoven, and I could say the same thing for uh, for Massa Rodriguez and. He, even you know Hector Moreno, you know he went over when he was 19, and you know he had a, a decent career, and, and, and he and 
you know, in all in all fairness to him, had he not been injured in the 2014 World Cup, there's no doubt in my mind that he would yeah. have made a huge jump well, from Espanol to wherever it was that he was going to Yeah, play. and, you know, just continue with beating the, the dead horse. Uh, you know, a good example, another good example we've seen of players leaving to Europe at a later age and, and still doing really good. And I, I'm going to mention uh, Pavel Pardo and and it was... um. Osorio? Ricardo I, I keep, Osorio, yeah. Ricardo Osorio, yeah. I, I keep I keep confusing them because uh, uh, JCO and and others, <laughs> but those two guys went to Stuttgart and uh, they won a Bundesliga. They won the Bundesliga, yeah. They did. Which is impressive because that's you know Stuttgart's. I, you haven't heard much of them even in recent years. It's always Bayern and Dortmund, and for them to have won it and and. You know, Pardo just had like his performances were well, and I put a lot of fans seem to forget that. You know, no, you have to, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and again, you know, Mexican players obviously have the talent, but you know, there, there's a couple of things. First of all, you know, getting getting the European passport is huge. Yeah, yeah, it's become and, more. Yeah, and and, and and secondly, they're they're just not going to give up. A foreign spot, willy dilly. I mean, you have to be really, 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 really good. So, you know, there's a, there's you know a lot of Argentines, Uruguayans, even Brazilians. You know, they all seem to magically be are able to come up with uh, with the European passport, which makes it much much easier for them to travel abroad and, and play abroad and, and earn a living abroad, which is not necessarily yeah. the case for, yeah. uh, for Mexico. No, and you know what? If if you look at a lot of the, a lot of the extranjeros that end up in Mexico, uh, a lot of them had been in Europe one or two years, and ended up coming back, just right. to highlight how difficult it could be a lot of times. Because a lot of these guys are very talented, you know. Just because they didn't make it in whatever team they were, it doesn't mean that they sucked. I mean, it's, the latest example, Nico Castillo, he. Yes. You know, Chilean plays at Pumas for, for a season and a half. Does what goes to Benfica. He was on the Chilean national team. Doesn't last four months in Benfica. Now he's in America. And people say, well, he was an idol of Pumas. Like, let's, let's pump the brakes. So he, didn't, he did nothing. Yeah, he scored some goals at Pumas. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know, you know, win a championship. And, you know, you know Dario Verón is an idol. You know, Tuca is an idol. Nico Castillo was just the guy that played at Pumas. Let's 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 let's, <laughs> let's let's slow down on the on the term. Yeah, I mean, who was it? Like they were trying to uh, Johnny Rico was trying to say that Moises Munoz was an idolo at at Americas because I was like, you know, why? What, what what did he ever do to be well, an idolo he, at America? It's like, he he just had that one, you know, with the Cruz Azul win. He had the yeah. the one header yeah, that there's a, there's an auto goal. That's credited to him. It's a memorable match, but you know, for for me, I, I just wanted to highlight how, like the Mexican fans, how they don't judge the players by the same, by the same, uh, how do you say, by the same standards criteria. Because, sure. Yeah, because you see a Mexican coming back, you know, like Carlos Salcedo, or or even like. Um, Bella or whoever, and they say their career is over. And Liga MX is filled with <laughs> with South Americans that came back. 
from Europe. Uh, and, and but we don't we don't you know we don't say the same thing about those players. We don't say hey, their career is over. Why are we getting this guy? You know, he didn't make it in Europe. Why? Why? Yeah. He's yeah, useless yeah, he's now. Castillo's career is over. <laughs> yeah, but a lot, a lot. If you go down the list, you're gonna see a lot of them were like at least a year in Europe. If, if you check with a lot of these guys. Uh, a lot of them, even like, just because they left at a very young age, uh, we 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 tend to forget. But a, a lot of the uh, Sudamericanos that are in Liga MX have been in Europe, which was the case for a long time. Cardoso was, I, I think, was he was in Switzerland, Grasshoppers or something like that, or Zurich. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Cardoso and dude, that guy was just phenomenal, and I'm sure. And it's just the breaks, because sometimes you just, you're going to end up just in the wrong club for a lot of, you know, with the wrong teammates or, or the wrong coach who's going to have some tactics that won't benefit you. There's so many things that could go wrong and, and lead to a lot of players not, not uh, doing as good as they, as they can. As you know, I am a I'm an, an unbiased outside observer of of, of the Chivas phenomenon. <laughs> and by the way, by the, by the way, um, you know they had they had the Super Bowl over the week. They did this past week. It was awful, and I, I made a comment that it was like it was, it was, watching the Super Bowl was like it was like watching Chivas play under under Matias Almeida. Oh man, a, a home game, a low-scoring yes, home game under Mati. Exactly. Yeah, just, <laughs> just really, really, really tough to watch. And uh, of course, you know the the Chivas faithful, like you know how how dare how dare you how dare you criticize the you know the greatest yeah. coach we've ever had or whatever it is. San Matias. He, yeah, exactly. Hey, and you then, have to hand it to that people, guy. People then said, you know, it's, it's obvious that this is an Americanista podcast. So they. <clears throat> there is no, there is, there's no way in, 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 in any dimension or world that this is an Americanista. I just want to throw that out. But I will say, <laughs> excuse me, that uh, that with with Chivas drawing Veracruz, lowly, lowly Red Shark Veracruz. Oh a man! Team that, is, that is like like five or six games away from being <laughs> yeah. relegated. And this was, of course, after Chivas had won three games in a row, and yes. people were already anointing them the next champion. Well, now they want after one draw, one draw at home. Now they want to get rid of. Now they want to get rid of Cardoso because it's because it's just <laughs> not the right. Thing. So my question to Chivas fans is: Is, is it really, guys? <clears throat> I mean, can you guys not be so bipolar? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit exaggerated. Um, Veracruz, I agree, it's it's lowly lowly red sharks. But we did mention here at the at the start of the season, they have a phenomenal coach. He's Tivoldi uh, to me. He's gonna win a few more titles, and he he's bound to get. You know, he's showing that he's willing to work. I, that's why I think he took Veracruz. He left, he left Santos 
Uh, and even though it was under bad terms, he did not badmouth anyone. He, you know, he did not air any dirty laundry, which no. Mati, Mati did. Mati just, he, he went screaming and kicking. Man, Man, Mati was like a, was like a lavandera in the Ariel commercials. <laughs> he was like Lady Mati. <laughs> yeah. Lady, Lady Mati. Like Lady Machina. But this Ivaldi, so, yeah. man, he, he's been around. He's been around the block. He knows how, how things work in, in Mex. And he, you know, he kept it quiet. He, he saw a team like Veracruz. Like, well... You know what? Whatever, he he took the team despite you know it might be a botch in his record. Some might see it that way, you know. <clears throat> but but people forget, you know, because I, I don't think a lot of people remember how Piojo had a team relegated. So you know, so <laughs> the, people are gonna forget down the line he was at Veracruz. But I mean, I think in the long run it helps him, you know. It it helps him just in his career and and he. He's, well, didn't, he's, didn't Piojo descend with Veracruz? Did he descend was with it Veracruz? Veracruz? Was it Tecos? I think it was Tecos. I it was both. It was both. Both. It was both. <laughs> he had two. But, you know, it, it helps build, as, as you know, as a coach, it helps build character and everything that you, you've been in a relegation battle, you know? It adds to the experience. Well, yeah, I mean, any time that you, as a coach... If, 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 if you experience both ends of the business, what I mean by that is, you know, obviously if, if you're experiencing championship, you win a championship, you know, it helps. But uh, but I think, yeah, as you said, you know, is, you know, is, is, is equally as valuable because if, if you're able to survive, you know, relegation is a, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't have to tell you, as a Chivas fan, you had to deal with it for three years with <laughs> Yeah, I had to deal with it, you know, but Pumas is on the precipice of having to deal with it again. I mean, it is, it is not. I mean, it is every game. Every game is a final. I mean, yeah. you're in a you're in a 17 or a 34 week Liga, basically. It is, uh, it is tough. It is, it is, it is absolutely tough. And one thing I will say about uh, about Siboldi, like you said, is that uh, you know Hebs. You know, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, getting, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're getting the draws on the road. But one thing that he has done, Joel, is he has, uh, he's got himself a, a young, a young goalkeeper who is turning a lot of heads. Oh yeah. And up to the point where, you know, the, 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 you know, this guy could be the, uh, this guy could be the, the, the heir apparent. For uh, for, uh, for for you know the, the, as the next man up because you know you have Memo Choa who's going to be in his, in his you know, 30s you know uh, Corona is in his you know late 30s and uh, you know this this guy is uh, isn't a child already in his 30s yeah that's what I mean, I mean okay. this, this guy is, this guy is impressive and yeah. uh, I can't remember can't remember what the what the dude's name is I'm trying to find it right here. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. So you know, if if Veracruz ends up going down, which which is very possible, and I'm sure you know at this point very likely, but there's no guarantee that they're actually going to go down because of the crazy weird 
Yeah, you could pay. Oh, sure. they, they, could, they could pay to remain. Uh, Memo is 33. So uh, he, he might still play two more World Cups. <laughs> Memo, he might be the next Conejosaurus Rex. Uh, well, he's, he's like, okay. He had 06 and he had 10 and 48. So he's going to go to his acre to make his sixth World Cup. He, wow, that would be a record. Um, yeah, record setting. Seis Copas. Doesn't sound as, as uh, you know, what would they call, uh, La Tota, el, 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 man, what was that nickname he had? Is it just Cinco Copas? I thought he had another nickname. El Six. But yeah, yeah, Memo could definitely be doing, that would be the record. I don't think no one has done more than five. John, are you there? I'm still here. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find this guy. This uh, this cat's name. This uh, this uh, goalkeeper. Man, Veracruz. Uh, uh, Cruz still has Meliton, which they were calling them Maleton. <laughs> Meliton had like a couple good seasons, and he got cat for the Moleros, but then he he kept messing up, so his nickname became Maleton. El Maleton. Is it Sebastián right. Jurado? He's, uh, he's done. He's done very well. He's done very well for himself. Yeah, it's um, it is Sebastián. He's being called the sensation of the league. El el joven Sebastián Jurado. Es seguido en lupa por parte del cuerpo técnico de la Selección Nacional. He might get called up to play uh, Chile and Paraguay. So, uh, yeah, how old is this guy? He's 21. He debuted last year in the cup, in a cup game. Yeah. So, so Joel, uh, so, so, so back to Chivas. So, 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 so Chivas, you know, they win their first few games, you know, they, they tie Veracruz. And then, well, why is it that the fans then just automatically want to, uh, you know, they had, they had one bad result. And, and, and that bad result is, is enough for them to say, okay, that's it, we're done. No mas. No mas. You know, I why think the so, media. Why are they I I blame the media, John, <laughs> because and especially the Mexican media, a lot of yellow journalism. They like to just exaggerate everything, and and a lot of times when I hear fans talking, it's a lot of reflection of what was said in some programs like Fútbol Picante and such, and of course they need to sensationalize everything. So I do think that's part of it, you know. Fans keep hearing certain things repeat over and over, and then they they just start believing them. Um, this Chihuahua team is, a lot of its players are fairly young, and, and a lot of them are still new to the team. They just they just arrived this season. They, they're not even, they're just a couple months in. Uh, players like Alexis Vega, you know, it takes a while to settle down. 
Uh, so it's 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 but still a work in progress, huh? They're two points from first place. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're one point. One point. One point from first place. Yeah. First it, place. And they're already calling for the coaches' help. I mean, I, I, I yeah. might understand this in two as you know, one championships consistently. You know, every two years, every other year, but. The reality is, is, is that Chivas has been has been spectacularly average for the better part of both your life and my life. And that's just the reality. <laughs> it is, it is, and and I, you know, just in just to to say about Cardoso, he's shown improvement. So his first season, even though the team did not qualify, he did better numbers than Matias did in Matias' previous no, two seasons. Sad. That's not Matt. Yeah, but Mati, Mati gets forgiven because he, he would do good in the cup games. So people would forget, you know, like he would lose a game in the league and then and then like a mid, he would win a midweek against like Cangrejos or whatever at, at the zombie life, you know. <laughs> and then it's like it, it will soften the blow of not. And then you look at the end of the season and it was like, Zero wins at home for Liga MX games, and and no one would bat an eye, which is very surprising. Uh, Matias is is I'm a bit fascinated, you know. He he has quite the personality. Even in San San Jose already, he's he's drawing the crowds. The Mexican followers have come out in droves. Well, he looks. He's, he you looks see like, a lot of them wearing Chiva jerseys, huh? He looks like Captain Cape. <laughs> I don't know, but he's he's he just. I think he's just magnetic personality. Uh, well, I'll tell you just, what, I, I think I, I think I know. I, I can. I mean, aside from winning the championship, which you know, again, I think that you know. But here's the thing: Why do they deify Mati and they don't deify Chepo or even Tuca? Because they, they did the same thing. Yeah. But why aren't they well, held in high regard? Yeah, I, I I think Mati got lucky that. He came in at the right moment when, when uh, Liga MX brought up all these cups like Supercopa and Copa MX, and he right. came in at this moment where a lot of Liga MX teams weren't even taking these tournaments serious. They were just playing them because they had to, and he won these tournaments, and it made you know they made him look way better than he than he did. He won five I, I, cups, huh? I, I can pinpoint exactly the moment when Chivarmanos will, will hold Mati in their hearts forever. It's the picture after they beat Tigres in the, uh, in the league final. And instead of holding a trophy or hugging he's his family, a goat. he's holding a goat. <laughs> he's... Which someone brought in, right? Someone, someone took it into the. A baby goat, a baby goat, a kid, a kid. That 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 is that is the moment where, where yeah, you know when like you had me at the goat, you had me at the goat. That's what that's what set Chivas fans up. And he he said some stuff that like stuck with the fans. Like he said, "I'm waking, I'm I'm gonna awaken a giant." And he was gonna tattoo the club's crest, which he didn't. He he tattooed a phallic-looking trophy, 
which is like, hey, I, I didn't forget. You said the crest, dude. That's not, that's not what you got. Nope. He, he, <laughs> um, but yeah, he he won, and so it's like, Copa MX. You don't always play the best teams because uh, the top teams of the previous season go to go to the Concacaf. So you you know it makes it more easier to win. Well, I, I will say this: had it not been for his agent, who. You know who Australia, as you pointed out, you know airing and dirty laundry. Yeah. And 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 saying the the quiet stuff loud about. Uh, I, I firmly believe that that cost him a real opportunity of at least get an interview for the national team job. Did and and also landing another team because I know he could have landed uh, a pretty good team in Liga MX. You know, there was some right. some of the clubs that say were interested in him, but I, I, I would say like Mati's also to blame because he probably gave the okay, and this is something he did in Argentina as well. He he did it when he was at River Plate, and and uh, he got sacked. He got sacked from River Plate, and he he um. Before the club even announced it, one of the newspapers was already talking about it. So Matis had obviously um, leaked the info, and he had also given like a, uh, that's how that's how I know it was him because he he gave like an interview. This is before the club made it official, and he's talking about yeah I, I didn't get a chance. They, they just called me on the phone to say that you know they weren't going to renew my contract or whatever. I'm like, you you know, you're kind of messing up right there, you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, I mean, and, and if that's the case, then, you know, then, you know, maybe, maybe things, you know, you know, work, work out the best for him. And yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, and you know what? It's kind of a history repeated itself. Yeah. No, but I mean, what happened to Martin Argentina? He he did not land another first division team. He had to go back to second. So in a kind of similar now, where he he didn't land a, a team or a national team or go to Europe, he had to he had to come down to MLS. <clears throat> Uh, You're breaking. As we wrap up, your, uh, our, uh, as we wrap up, there's the new uh, MLS coming to Austin. They're going to start playing in 2021, and the rumor is that the Austin FC team are going to make a very strong push to lure Pio Carrera. What? Pio Herrera, no way, man. He's not leaving Coapa. I'm just telling you what I've heard. They're going to have to drive a little truck filled with money because he's not leaving the the, uh, the eagle's nest. He's going to stay there because he knows that. One, he's, he's, he's in the club of 
pretty much the organization that runs the whole of Mexican football. And two, he's like in a great position to to return to the national team, which I know is one of his. Right. I know that's what he wants, like in his heart. He is. First, first he wants, man up. <clears throat> he wants round two with that selection. And I could see him take doing a second World Cup, just like Vasco did. Oh, there's no question. And I do think, and we've talked about this in the past, if, uh, if Santa Martino doesn't work out uh, for Mexico, then I, I, I firmly believe, and I think that you also firmly believe this, yes. that, that, that Yoko will be will, will, will step in without any problem. He's already, look, he's already, which is one of the things we've told a lot of Americanistas about Piojo. <laughs> you know how we, because, how, you know, they, they, they didn't seem to want him. But he's already one of their historic coaches. He's like in third or fourth place of wins. He has 100 wins right. with America. Uh, only above him is like 112 and 133. Which, he if, he stays, if, he, if he stays, he's going to surpass that. So he's in line to being, you know, uh, America's most winning coach. Maybe not championship-wise, exactly but... But highest rated of wins. So I mean, take take that, piojo hating Americanistas. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that I, it's, it's, it's like if you don't want him, I will take him in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, man. Any any team would want. Yeah. He's he's arguably the best Liga MX coach right now, numbers wise. I don't. It's just between like what him and Tuca, right? Um, and then if if. Uh, if it Ray Maidas returns, but those would be the top three. And then, of course, the sad news over the week was that uh, that Puebla and and again, you know, I, I you know, I think of the the mindset, the uh, you know, when I was in school, so you know, draw a decision tree to come to the blah blah blah. What decision tree was drawn for the the Camoteros to say we need to get rid of Ojitos Mesa? And replace them with Chelis, so he can come and fail for the fourth time here at Puebla. Uh, you know my 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 probably like just knowing Liga MX and how it works. A lot of times, uh, a lot of times this is linked to promoters. So the promoter will be like, "Okay, uh, this no, 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 guy this, happened, this is official. It's done." No, no, I know. I know. No, I know. I understand. But I'm saying a lot of times is, is if like a promoter would be like, okay, put my guy, and then I could get you, I could get you these players. But well, bring his in. guy is, is Carlos Hurtado. Yeah, because remember what happened. I mean, we saw it similar with uh, with Wolves. You know, uh, Jorge Mendes brings in his coach. To Wolves, and then there's, he, there's, there's like there's like brings, ten Portuguese dudes on Wolves, yeah, and then he brings his players. So I do, I mean, from watching Club de Cuervos, and uh, right, <laughs> and then being seeing uh, Liga MX for all these years, I do think that's part of it. Where it's like a promoter just made the push, and it's like, look, I could get you these players. I'll bring them in, uh, maybe next season, but. Get my guy in there, and I'll I'll, I'll hook you up. And, and let's and, not forget, boy, 
Cruzado used to have his hooks in the Cruz Azul pretty deep. And I'm sure he said, then it said, no, no mas. So he's looking for a new team to, uh, oh, yeah. To info. Yeah, and, and, well, Cruz Azul is interesting because that's another, uh, coach who, who seems to be on the ropes. Uh, is, is Caixinha. So who knows what's going to happen there. I've yet to hear Pelayas make any statement because the team has been floundering. They just haven't been as dominant as they were last season. Well, I mean, so, again, they're only, they're only four points out of first, of first place. I know. You know but they, they win three in a row and they'll be in first place. They like will that. be back. I know, but the pressure is just so much. It's a bit unjust. But there's just so much pressure on that team to succeed. Uh, I would put it right up there. With, I, I think it's between them and Monterrey where it's the most pressure to just do good, you know? Well, the, the pressure right now for for this, this, this podcast is to do well tonight. I missed what you said, John. You you cut off. What I said was uh, that the pod that the pressure's gotten is too much for me on this podcast. Oh, that I'm gonna have to stop. And I'm gonna have to stop and get some kolaches so that I can regroup and then yes. finish strong and finish strong. So I'll be doing that for 45 seconds or so. Okay. If you don't hear me, that's. Uh, that is what 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 is going to happen, and I, I don't think anybody else has hopped on yet. Oh, and I don't have to, I'll take a look here. I'll Any of the cantineros? Any of the cantineros has hopped on, or or? It's just it's just you and me so far. Yeah, uh, some guys went know. missing. Rigo disappeared out of the out of the interwebs. He went into the yeah, dark he's, he's web or off. something. <laughs> he was last spotted with the Chiva del Norte guys. Maybe he said something they didn't agree with, and and they made him sleep with the fishes. Something's that going on. Erratic. <laughs> yeah, you know, of course, and of course, Profe Candarayas, you know, he was insistent on being on tonight. You know, he might be listening. I don't know, but uh, you know, because you yeah. know, usually every time we we, we talk bad about uh, about Matias, you know, he, he was like uh, like Fernando with La Volpe, just yeah. his ears perk up, and he automatically has to has to come on. But he's uh, like summoning Beetlejuice. Exactly. We would say Matias yeah. three times, and Prophet would appear. <laughs> That's uh, th- that is exactly right now. But I'm, I'm about to stop here, Hoy. Might be a good chance for you to kind of gonna do just a little, a little, a little, little week recap of of the week and what. Why is this light not changing? And uh, the uh, what's coming up, and then we have a couple of other uh, topics that we can uh, that we can finish when I. Uh, when I get back in the car, namely, uh, you know, we're going to talk about uh, the Liga MX Femenil and the uh, yeah. statements that were made by uh, by some of the teams and uh, <clears throat> what they want to do. Of course, and then we can always talk about uh, the, uh, you know, you know, uh, another aspect with, uh, with, with, with Tata Martino is uh, his, uh, you know, in the press conference, like, you know, you know, he said that, you know, no, you know everyone's available. And I think it's going to be pretty obvious for, for you know, just in, in reading between lines that, that, that his Gold Cup squad is going to be 
you know, 100% absolutely loaded with play because he's, I mean, he has to go for it. So it wouldn't shock me if in the Gold Cup we see uh, the team that is uh, 100%, uh, you know, the, the, the European, you know, just the, as strong a team as Mexico as Mexico could have because he, uh, he, needs to, he needs to win that tournament. Yes. So, have you ever been like like late at night at a, at a, at a four way light and like the lights aren't synced up and they're just they're just not? Oh, there we go. Finally, green light. Good morning. No, I haven't, sir. I have not been. Chingala, here I am trying to trying to get, get won't work, and I finally went off and I was I was about to I was about to run the light. Hoy. I went. I you know you don't you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was. Uh, but but it finally did change, and of course, all the cops are at the. Uh, wouldn't you know it? They're at the Kalachi zone. So, I'll go ahead and do these Joel, and then I will come back and we'll finish the uh, the podcast strong, and I'll you know get my my energy back and, yes. and relieve the pressure of of doing the podcast here. So I will uh, I, I will turn you loose. Okay. Starting now. Go ahead. Well, let's just take a quick look at at the standings, which we have Rayados de Monterrey at first place. Uh, not very surprising. This team has been pushing for a league title for the past two to three seasons. Well, since since Turco was there when they actually lost two two finals um but they've continued to invest and they, they recently brought in Layun. so i think the out of the top three most expensive transfers monterrey has two of them and uh they are in first place and and surprisingly in second is necaxa sort of came out of nowhere and uh they're in they're in second place despite having played a game less. They only have five I mean four games out of five five match weeks. And uh they only trail Monterrey by one point. It's it's a pretty tough uh, it's a, I would say close. It's a very close right now race because what separates pretty much um first from seventh which seventh place would be Leon. It's only three points. And uh and then from eleventh, which would be Pachuca, that's four points. So it's it's a it's gonna be a if things hold up, it should be a, a very tight race for the Liguilla. Um but I think as the league as more games are played, I do think some of the stronger teams are gonna pull through. Uh at least the top four. And then from fifth to eighth, we might see a we might see a big a big group of teams fighting it out. Should be a pretty good battle royale right there. Uh, so, but Necaxa, man, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then you have Tigres in third, <clears throat> and perhaps even more impressive uh, is Atlas because they're in fourth. This is a team that didn't spend much money. In in transfers, uh, but they've been they've been winning. They've got uh, three wins, one draw, and one loss 
they are in they are in force. They're actually right now just on on a I would say goal differential. They're above Chivas who are in fifth, and then you have Club America in sixth. But America like Necaxa has one game less. Uh, and and they have nine points, and if, if they make their game up, they could very easily take take first place and and just uh, reinforce the club with two pretty good signings, Benedetti and uh, who will bolster the team's attack. And then we have Leon, followed by Lobos Bua, which is whoa man, Lobos in eighth. <laughs> That's, that's impressive uh, for Lobos. And then we see the drop. Some of these teams the last season were were stronger. Santos a ninth, Cruz Azul in tenth, which is yeah, it's it's not where the fans want to see this team, and they're going in panic mode just because they've been uh, frustrated for so long. So it's it's uh, they call him Frustazul. So that 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 even though it's not that many points, uh, they have seven. That's four points. It just it just looks bad being in tenth. It's like having a shiner, uh, you know. And then Pachuca right below them. That's another team that invested heavily, and I know they want to be higher up. And Toluca. So Toluca, they're saying Cristante is is on the ropes. We might see. The return of Chep, Chep Guardiola right there, uh, Chepo de la Torre. He might go back. He had already won two league titles with, with the Diablos Rojos. And that could be a team that would be willing to pay. He's one of the better earning coaches in Liga MX. So that, that's where I expected him to land anyways. Uh, and then you have Cholos in 13th. Uh, Puebla in 14th, and then Monarcas in 15th. Monarcas haven't been doing that good, and it's it's unfortunate because part of the reason is is the directiva. They just haven't. They sold some of their better players, like Peruvian international Ruidas, and they haven't really brought anyone to reinforce the team. And then just recently, uh, the club directors they said that half of the Squad of Monarcas has been uh, extortioned by um, I don't know who exactly, probably cartels or just random thugs. But it, it, it's a problem, and and I think it's it's happened before. It's not that surprising. Um, it to to know that it, it is surprising to hear a directivo openly talk about it. Though throughout the years we've seen. We've seen, uh, like, for example, um, Ruben Omar Romano was kidnapped when he was at Cruz Azul. And he was, like, held hostage for, like, a month. And then... And, and, and don't forget, Joel, that uh, when Indios, Ciudad Juarez was in the league... Yes. Several Colombian players sent their families back because it was safer to be in Medellin than it was to be in Ciudad Juarez. <laughs> Yeah, Juarez is, is the Wild West, man. And, you know, someone that just passed away was um, Pablo Larios Iwasaki, and his daughter had been kidnapped a while back. 
So, I mean, you could go down the list and you, you see all these things that are fairly common in Liga MX. And, and um, for example, just what happened with Rafa Marquez not too long ago, he was almost kicked out of the World Cup. And he was involved with um, some extra extra cancha activities with some cartel guy funding some of his businesses. So, and, and you know, just, just, just to point on that, that's why I feel a lot of these Mexican players returning for Europe, that's why they ultimately choose, the majority will choose like MLS, just because, you, you know, you avoid that. And I, I could see Chicharo, you know, that's, that's why I could see Chicharo coming back here, especially now that he's, he's having a kid with his Australian wifey. Um, I could see him, he's going to raise a family and he, he's going to want to avoid some of this, some of these shenanigans. Uh, so then uh, at 16th is Pumas, Pumas Unam, and, and uh, yeah, Pumas hasn't been doing too good. They got a big point, uh, big point though. Uh, down a man and playing oh. against Monterrey. Against Monterrey, that is true, that is true, they and was this under their new coach, Bruno Marioni? That is correct. Yes, the new their new boss. And then uh, Veracruz 17th. And in last place is Querétaro, man. Querétaro, who had last season sneaked, sneaked into the Liguilla. And then they're coached by one of our favorite coaches here, Rafa Puente Jr., who we have pegged for a... Uh, he should land the selection, maybe in the, sometime in the next ten years. Uh, but he hasn't been doing too good, and and, and I'll say, Querétaro is, is a bit similar to uh, to Monarcas, so those teams that just didn't invest. They did not invest a lot of money. Um, John, did we talk about Larios? Because he recently passed away, and uh, we have not. Yeah, Larios Iwasaki. He was Campos credits him with being his tutor. I would say his mentor, being his mentor and having learned a lot from him. And Iwasaki, if I'm not, his his mom was Japanese, so that's Pablo Larios Iwasaki. And if I'm not mistaken, when he when because he was the he was the goalkeeper for the 1986 World Cup, he would have yes, he was. most like most likely been the 1990. World Cup and Mexico not gotten kicked out, but but John, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he playing in second division when the World Cup came around? I am, uh, you know, honestly, I don't remember, but I, I remember him. I want to say he came out of Zacatepec, and I want to say he even played for like like Coyotes Nesa. He played for a bunch of random teams. That's why it was so surprising. I mean, he was terrific. Don't get me wrong. And he ended up playing for some pretty big teams, and uh, he was on the losing end of uh, of, of, of one of uh, one of Chivas's championships, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, you have to take it there, Arion. But uh, well, no, what I'm saying is, is that Chivas beat didn't Chivas beat his his uh, Toros Nesa team? Uh, when when Puka won the championship in '97, I think, I think yeah. uh, Larios was the uh, the goalie for. Uh, oh wow! Toros Nesa at the time, but uh, yeah, he you know, that, was. That's so he was at Nesa. You're correct. Yeah. Was that? 
you know, he wasn't he wasn't from a big team, you know, and you know at the time, you know, Cruz Azul had Miguel Marin and America had Gato Chavez, and so there really wasn't. I mean, you know, outside of Olaf Heredia and Pilar Reyes, who had a terrible World Cup in '78, that you know, there just weren't that many good Mexican goalkeepers. And Olaf Heredia, you know, for for years was 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 the best Mexican goalie, at least in the, you know, the early part of the '80s. And so for Latios to beat him out, and then and, and, and you have to remember, you know, Olaf Heredia was 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 Bora's goalie at Pumas. So you know, kind of like uh, what uh, what what Memo did to uh, to Moises, and uh, in, in 2014, where he beats out the you know the coach's favorite son. That that's what Pablo Larios did, and he ended up having a, a, a pretty spectacular World Cup. He only allowed two goals in, in, in the five games that they played, which is really good. I mean, that's. That's outstanding, and uh, you know uh, Jorge Campos just this past week, in addition to saying that he was his mentor, said that he was the best Mexican goalkeeper in history, and that's high praise coming from a guy who I would probably consider the best Mexican goalkeeper in history. Yeah, he he credited a lot to him, uh, and he was fairly young. He was fifty-eight. He was fifty-eight when he passed away. And he just didn't look like a goalkeeper, you know. <laughs> he wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, it was just a. Yeah, so he was. I, you know, I was. You know, again, just. Uh, you know, sad to see him go, but I mean, I do have a lot of really good memories of, of him and that. I mean, he made some pretty big saves in that World Cup. You know, uh, you know, it's a picture that we tweeted out on the, on the Cardina account. One of the lasting memories. Of that World Cup was, uh, you know, you know Schumacher, who was such a villain in, in the 1982 World Cup when he, uh, for lack of a better word, just completely demolished uh, the French player Batistone. I mean, not, not knocked him out cold when Batistone had a had a one-on-one breakaway, and Schumacher made no attempt to, to play the ball at all. Just wiped this guy out. Just totally went into his head with his hip. Just knocked him, you know, took knocked some teeth out, and he didn't even get a yellow card for it. I mean, and he was just a, just just this awful villain, just this, this, this you know the, you know, the 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 absolute villain of the 1982 World Cup, this happened in semifinal in France for 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 Schumacher to then, you know, in in, in the quarterfinal against Ugo when Ugo was cramped up, well, you know, had the had the. The, the sportsmanship and the good sense to help Ugo out with his cramps, you know, help stretch out his cramps. You know, at one end of the field, and then after the penalty shootout, when uh, you know Germany's wins, the German players are celebrating. You know, Schumacher goes up to Bobo said, "Like, dude, you know, you, you know, congratulations, you guys. You know, you, you guys gave us a hell of a game. You went so far. It was, it was, it was a great moment. And uh, it, it's tough to see." Uh, you know, when, you know, as you get older, to see these guys that you look up to are, you know, starting to, you know, die and fall off, it's 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 tough to take. And you're right, at 58, it was way too young. No, I just checked, and um, he was indeed playing in second division when he called up to play the Where 1986 World Cup. Um, oh man, I scrolled past it. <laughs> what? Uh, I was looking at a picture of him with Toros Nesa. That Toros Nesa team. Um, 
if you guys have never seen him play, you know, we have a lot of younger viewers. This is Toro Nesa going back into the late 90s. Um, they were just a phenomenal team to watch. They had Piojo in defense. They had Turco, you know, uh, right there pulling the strings. And yeah, man, to have, to have Pablo Larios at, at the pole, that team even that much more epic. And they would score some awesome goals. Uh, if you could, uh, YouTube some other goals, there's a goal they scored where there was like three or four back heel passes in a row. It's one of the most memorable goals I've ever seen. Just like three, four in a row. And, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, you could see some pretty cool stuff. And this, this Toros Nessa team was just a fun team to watch. Uh, one time they marched into the field. They were all wearing Halloween masks. Uh, and then another time they all, they all dyed their hair blonde. Uh, the majority at least. A good eighty-five percent. A good and Larios, man, he he participated. Piojo didn't, but his hair was already ginger, so he probably didn't have to. Um, <laughs> this was quite the team, man. And this Toros Nesa team also got into a, a pretty like battle royale match with the Jamaica national team. They played a friendly. A lot of hacking went on. And then it started into a fight. And I think there was even sticks and rocks involved. It was quite a brutal fight. <laughs> so, yeah, this this team is, is gone but not forgotten. At least not from the Cantina archives. Well, according to this, Joel, he was, uh, he was uh, Cruz Azul's goalkeeper during the 86 World Cup. Oh, really? Man, yeah. internet lying to me. But he was in second division when he got called up to the national team. Yeah, because he started off at Zacatepec, so I believe that they had to send it at that time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But because see, from my report, it says hasta la fecha... Fue el único jugador que estuvo en la selección mexicana de fútbol pesa militar en un equipo de segunda división. Okay, so it just says he got called up. But he was... I got confused. I, I don't know why I got confused and thought he went to the World Cup. But we haven't seen that since. You know? Second division player get called up. Well, we might, we, get his, <laughs> we might have to. We might have to. The closest we've gotten is Kikin Ponseca, who got plucked out of second division into Pumas and then quickly made his way into the, the selección. The biggest part of, of any player, at least in the 21st century. Just an absolutely fantastic teammate. One of my favorite national team players of all time, Kikin. You never had to worry about Kikin not giving his all to play for the national team. Very, very happy. 
so we talked about the extortion, Joel, and uh, with, with Morelia, just uh, you know, and, and you know, one of the reasons, you know, you know, people ask, you know, why is it so hard for you know Mexican teams to attract decent, not just South American talent, but you know, decent European or African, whatever it is, you know, that's Exhibit A right there because because of stuff like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, and it's one of the things that holds back Liga MX from growing. And it's also one of the reasons why, uh, like for Mexico fans, when they see that the league is is like trying to have like tournaments, because one of the tournaments they got announced is it's a cup a cup tournament with MLS teams, and and. Uh, I see a lot of like retaliation from fans. Just they hate the idea. They're saying, "How is it going to benefit?" Well, it's going to benefit a lot because if if these tournaments are taken serious and played, that's a lot of more. You know, that's TV money that comes in, more sponsorships, more gate money. Is is you know that's what the teams need ultimately to operate. They need they need to have more finances and um, but. But one thing that we can't deny is that how much uh, MLS has been improving throughout the years, you know, and and sure. and and so we see these teams like Atlanta and LAFC and how much money they poured into those clubs and and the type of stadiums they have and 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 the players that they're bringing in and and. You know, you're comparing them to like in Mexico to to the Veracruz and Lobos Buap, and it's like, man, Liga MX would love to have a LAFC type franchise come in into the club and and come into the league and and you know pour that type of money into it. Um, but but I, I do feel one thing we're gonna see pretty soon, and we're already seeing it. But I think we're gonna feel it more. It's gonna be MLS beating out Liga MX to some of the better South American talent. But something that I've said on this show, and you know, until I'm blue in the face, you know, at, you know, at what point, you know, what happens to the rivalry of, of the league rivalry when MLS starts signing better South American players than, than league MLS? Because that day is that day is coming, and that day is mm-hmm. a lot closer, a lot closer than people think. Well, yeah, well, I mean, Ridas to me. Ridas to me was a great talent, and it surprised me that he ended up coming to MLS instead of, uh, you know, I pictured him at a going to a Cruz Azul or something like that, uh, stay but staying in Liga MX, and and to see him come to, I mean, to stay in Liga MX and to see him come to MLS was like it was a bit, it's a bit of a surprise to me, you know. He seemed to check all the boxes, right? You know, Peruvian international. He's he's consistent. He was scoring some great goals, and 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 he ended up over there. And they bought that one player. What was it? Almiron from River Plate. What's Atlanta? Paid like fifteen million. Yeah, they sold him to Newcastle. Oh yeah. Well, they what sold him for like twenty something million. Yep. Yeah, and I haven't seen a, a you know Liga MX sell uh, for a. Extranjero to Europe for that amount. Yeah, Nico Castillo did not go for that much to Benfica. Let's just 
I don't think there's ever been a player that the Liga MX has sold, uh, you know. So I mean that that's saying a lot. Um, they, yeah, and and the other team that's gonna the new I think there's a Miami franchise, and and they are they're looking to also you know splash the cash, uh, and then just recently I think Marco Fabian could could make a move to the Philly the Philadelphia Union. Yeah, that, that is the rumor. And, yet, and, and you're right, the Inter the Miami. I mean, Miami is the South American capital of the world. Oh, yeah. And how many how many European soccer players spend their summers they, in Miami? I mean, it is, they love Miami. Yeah. Yeah, well, one thing that I heard from uh, when, when, I keep forgetting, what's the name of that player that, that uh, Atlanta signed from River Plate right after the, Libertadores final. I forget his name, but they beat out they beat out teams from they beat out teams from like Spain and Italy for his signature because they weren't willing to they wanted to sign the player for much less, and MLS just you know they just opened the checkbook, and and so that was the president of of Riverplay was talking about how they're they're like establishing, you know. They can establish some type of, like a, I don't know how you say it. I don't know if it's a convenio, but some type of partnership with the league where they're going to, you know, start sending more and more talent. And uh, so that's, that's. You know, they they look at Atlanta United, you know, Atlanta United is owned by the guy who owns Home Depot. Arthur Blank. You know. Well, <laughs> would you rather go into business with that guy, or would you rather go into the business with the guy who owns Grupo Imagen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and and just 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 to just for more just for more clarity, like last last World Cup, pretty much Selección had three players, MLS based players in the squad. You know, that's just something we wouldn't think about. Um, and then our current coach came from MLS. So, I mean, ah, man, uh, you, you could still hate the league, but don't, don't yeah, downplay well, it. Don't downplay it because, you, you know, you're, you're just being, um, how, how do you say it, Jon? Uh, I'll say delusional. You're yeah, fooling. you're just, you're just fooling yourself, man. And I think, I think for me, one of the exciting thing is that if, you know, it opens the door to go to the stadium and see some great matchups. Like, well, it's not just that. I mean, I mean, again, I mean, I, if I'm a Mexican player and, you know, I'm at Nakaxa and I'm pretty good, but, you know, there's a promoter who has a, you know, I mean, I, mean, I want to know, you know, how it is. That all of a sudden there was like forty Chileans in the Liga Mekis, like from one year to the next. You know, obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah, promoters involved. So you know, the promoters would rather, you know, like you said, they, they make more money when they bring these guys in. You know, the promoter does than with the local guys. So if, I, if I'm in Nakaxa, I say, man, I'm 21 years old, my contract is up. You know, I'm pretty good. I start to get, but they're not going to give me a chance because they're going to, you know, they got to, you know, they have this 
So why why wouldn't I look at MLS? Why wouldn't that be an option? And I think that that's going to happen more and more and more. And yeah. uh, you know, I know that MLS. I mean, what they say, well, I mean, how many Mexican? You know, the, the the reality about Mexican players in MLS is that is that there have been more misses than hits. And then, and that's just the, that's just the truth. Well, uh, you know, Rafa was a. It didn't work out. You know, Giovanni, uh, who is getting paid six million dollars a year, is about to be asked to take a major, either take a major pay cut or or or, or, or say, say sayonara. <laughs> and you know, again, you know, Giovanni's been there for for going on four years now. Wow. You know, it's not like you know he was terrible the whole time. Yeah. But you know, you know, Carlos Vela obviously has done well. You know, Guatemala did well. But you know, you know, Gota, you know, Luis Landin was was terrible. Uh, no, Claudio Suarez did well. Claudio Suarez did good. He did. Yeah, uh, Campos did good too. But uh, you know, uh, what was the guy? The loco was the loco's name, and loco, what was his? Oh, loco Garcia. Loco Garcia. Loquito Garcia. He did. You know, he did good. Like his first two seasons, because I was covering Chivas USA. I was doing, a, you know, I covered them for the whole season, and he. He did well up until uh, they came to scout him from PSV, and then he just shit the bed. <laughs> he, he had a terrible game, uh, and and then after that, he he went to Tigres. You know, he got brought back, right. and he just he never was able to crack to crack into the first team, man, and he just disappeared. He disappeared, you know, but he. They've, they've added a team in Nashville. They're adding a team in Cincinnati. They're adding a team in Austin. Man. And to me, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's there's going to be so many opportunities. And if I'm a young Mexican player and, and, and you know who's talented enough, but it isn't getting shots to play. I mean, why wouldn't I look at? This? And you know, so, and and well, that's also what leads to the importance of of uh, someone like Dennis to close going into the galaxy. And I think that's one of the things he's going to do is try to recruit some of these young players. So, like, like so Galaxy, for example, they already have, you know, the Los Santos brothers, and and but they also have two under twenty Mexico internationals. Forget the right. names, but they have a goalkeeper, and it's it's like an attacking player. And he's supposed to be numbers. one of the best. Yeah, he's supposed to be highly rated. So I mean, they were already under twenty, man. It could be. Talking about soon at the under twenty World Cup or Olympics, and and these dudes are are MLS based. Exactly. I mean, it just it, you know, so you know, you know for, for people to turn their nose at MLS, it's it, it's just a big, it's just a big mistake. Now, you know, to me, you know, again, if if your if your end game is for Mexico to do well at international tournaments, the World Cup, whatever. And yet, in your mind, the only way that Mexican players can do well or Mexican teams can do well at these tournaments is to have the players possible playing in Europe. If that's your goal, does it matter for the jump from MLS or from Liga MX? Yeah. No. Yeah, what, what you, matters? As many Mexicans playing as, as yes. possible all over the world. Yeah, that's that should be the the end game. You know, the the main thing is to have as many active players as possible. And the you know the saying, the cream rises to the top. 
any right. top player, no matter where you're at, you're going to be spotted, and ultimately you'll, you'll get a chance to play at a higher level. Exactly. I mean, I mean, we're, we're seeing you know, the fruits of the labor with Raul. You know, Tecatito looks like he's finally starting to uh, you know, you know, you know, show his, his true potential. Uh, you know, Chucky Lozano has done it for the past couple of years. You know, he's, he's injured right now with a, with a concussion. But, uh, I mean, I'm, we're talking, you know, th- three players out of what, 11 or 12 or whatever it is that are, that are, you know, that are, it's just not enough. You know, you know, Mexican, you know, we need to be talking about, you know, 20 players that are just kicking ass, taking names all over the place. And again, you know, for Mexico to, if, if, if fans think that Mexico has the wherewithal to compete at an international level with the, the Belgians and, and the Frances and the Germanys and the Italys, yeah, Mexico, maybe, you know, on, you know, if they play them 10 times, Mexico might be able to win three of them. And I think that that's a very doable. But if you want to, you know, win five or six or seven, you got to have like 80 guys playing in Europe, and that's just and that's just the way it is. And the only way that that happens is if there are more Mexicans playing in Liga Yankees and more Mexicans playing wherever they can, where they can make that big sign. If that means playing in MLS, what, what does it matter to you as a Mexican? You know, how great would it, would it be, you know, living in Austin, if, 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 if the strike, if the big strike from Austin is Furana de Tal, that grew up in Satellite, you know, how it would, I'd love it. It would, be, it would be so much fun. I mean, and how great would it be for the for the, the MLS Liga Mickey's rivalry, where like some of the, like, like Giovanni, you know, it's too bad that, that Galaxy's kind of fallen off. But I mean, how great would it be to see Giovanni and, and Jonathan play Blue America in, in, in the Conca Champions? You know, that, that'd be really cool. Or to play, you know, Chiba. You know, Giovanni played, he played, I think it was against Morelia or whoever it was. I forget you know, what team it was. Or it was Santos, actually. Because I remember, I remember uh, uh, Dan, Dan was, at the, was at the game. And, and that was the first time Giovanni had ever played in Liga Admiral's team. Ever. In his career. Think about that. Giovanni's been a national team mainstay since, what, 2008. So going on 10 years. And has and never played one Liga Inmequis league game. <laughs> Same with Carlos Vela and his brother. Hey, I'm still hoping. I'm still a geo believer. And, I, and I'm hoping he could get his act together. Because it's, it's pretty sad to see um, to see his career go down like this. You know, just because how much he's done for the national team. And... and how much he's given, and and he's just a wonderful talent. So to see him um, just underperforming, it, it's pretty sad, you know. It is. I would, but I mean, the thing is, is that he's never really been one hundred percent healthy. No, he's been at, at, at LA Galaxy, and it's always muscle stuff. And when it's muscle stuff, it just means that, frankly, you're not taking care of your body. Yeah. Well, and, I mean. Make a living with your body. That 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 is one hundred percent on. Yeah. At this point, now, if that's the case, you know, where he just he just isn't one hundred percent because some of these players they end up having like injuries that are recurring, and it just you know it, it doesn't let them 
you know, just, just be at a hundred percent. Um, God, man, it will suck, but it would be better for him to retire than to see him floundering, you know, ending up and playing in small clubs. Just well, being a shadow of his former self. He's making six million a year. They want to, <laughs> they, they want to, they want to take the DP tag off of him. Yeah. Offer him a much lower salary. And I, you know, I don't know if Gio's going to want to do that. I mean, you know, again, you know, Giovanni didn't go to LA Galaxy because of what he did at, at Villarreal. Villarreal or yeah. at uh, Tottenham. <laughs> Tottenham or yeah. Brighton or Bristol or wherever it was ba- he went. Barcave. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, no, he's just selección. He's and always been a selección standout. Right. Um, I, you know, if I'm Joe, I take the cut. Let it fuel you, man, because I, I think he he could he could still be in the next cycle, you know. Right. He could still be in the next selection cycle, and he could close out his career with that. I'm not sure if he would reach the World Cup, but you could still have like a, a couple international. Well, he's 29, so he still has room to make the World Cup. But even if he doesn't, you could still get a couple good tournaments in there. Another Copa America, Gold Cup, whatever it is. And then just sort of leave on a high note. But I would, I would, uh, I would like to see him regain his, his, regain his, you know. His mojo. His, yeah, his power levels. Get him back there up again. He's, he still has a lot to offer, man. 29. Ramos Gio, I, I hope he, I hope he does. I hope the close could help right there, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily think he's had a bad year. I mean, the dude's made $25 million since he's been in LA Galaxy. And again, it was, it was, it was, it was a contract that he was never going to get in any <clears throat> other situation. It wasn't going to happen oh, no. in the real. It was, you know, maybe, maybe either Rayados or, or America would offer that kind of money. But, you know, then he didn't get to live in L.A. So, you know, it just, yeah. you know, he I, should I, be I, I, I don't want the guy at all. I just don't. He should be in his last year of contract with the Gal- Galaxy. He signed in 2015. Now, um, one thing I will say about Giovanni. Is that is it early in his career, when he was you know in his late teens and early twenties, he made some absolutely terrible mistakes. But in regard to his career, you know whatever whoever was giving him advice oh, his, gave him terrible. His advice. old man was his agent. Yeah. So yeah. It just it just did not work out. Senior. Because you remember remember Bep was his youth coach. Yeah, he was. Well, and, was, that, and Bep, Bep was the one that said you need to go out on loan. Yeah, Giovanni well, was like, no, I don't want to go out on loan. Sell me. I remember that story. Well, from what I remember, what I heard was that so Cicino was, you know, he had he had him and his brother, and they were they were at the Barcelona Academy, and uh, and Gio was one of the standouts. It was him, Bojan Creek. Kirk, I don't know how do you pronounce that last name. Kirkic, Kirkic. Yeah, some dude, he kind of disappeared, man. <laughs> so, Boyan and Messi, 
and and uh, and Gio, Gio and and uh, Messi would were like at the same time they were they were bringing them up into the first team, but I mean, Messi of course more talent. He ended up just earning a spot. Uh, Gio didn't yet, and they were like they're gonna bring him back to uh, to Barca B. And he was just gonna get the odd games here and there, and and he, um, the dad, the dad told him to, told him to leave, you know, because because you're right, they did say, you know what, if you want more playing time, we could send you out on loan, and and that's when Rafa Benitez, I couldn't remember his name last time around, uh, Rafa Benitez offered him, he he went to uh, Tottenham and he's like, oh, I'll play you over there, and he no, signed him. At the same time as Modric. Oh, it was Ramos. Good good thing you're here. Pande. Okay, why am I blaming Rafa? Anyway, (laughs) it's the beer. It's the beer, Jan. Yeah, the guy takes him to Tottenham. They sign him at the same time as Luka Modric. And and that dude did not last. What, he was there for like five games? Yeah, (laughs) Then he got sacked. And, And along with... Along with uh, Juan, they saw the Geo man. They sent him, they sent him packing too to the lower divisions, and then loaned him out to a second division team, where he did very good. <laughs> he actually did very good. Yeah, I remember that second division. Roy Keane was his coach, and it was like this guy's terrific. I cannot believe that <laughs> that you know you know why isn't he playing in the, in the first? And it just because he just you know Redknapp just didn't like him. He just. Yeah, and it goes back to what we talk about. You know, make sure that the coach, if you're going to go to a team, make sure the coach actually wants you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, that coach did want him, you know, um, but he should have made sure at this point that the directiva was also going to give him the directiva was going to give him a backing, which is Linus, which is very important for Linus because right. the, cl- the the vice president of the club went, you know, went to Mexico. That's pretty much saying, hey, look, even if the coach leaves, we want you, you know. Even if the coach gets sacked, you're, 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 all, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're integral and, part of this club where we're gonna, we're gonna do the best to, to, to promote you. And, and, you know, Linus has gotten some, 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 some good minutes. He started, you know, he started a couple of games, uh, didn't play in the, in this last, uh, Copa Rey semifinal, but you know he's, you know Linus has some, but he's got he's got a lot of learning to do. And he, I think I think the first thing he has to learn is that the uh, the Spanish league is a little faster than Liga MX. You know they don't have to worry about in the Spanish league, you know playing at altitude one one game and it's sea yeah. level the next. And, or or at, know, the, it, at the the heat of the you know exactly. mid midday heat. Or you know, in, in Veracruz, or you know, up in the desert, you know, Mexico you know, for a league has a lot of a lot of variation as far as the topography and geography. And the, yeah, well, was, you know, that's he, he said Mexico plays slow because we have to. Yeah, we have no choice. Well, you know, that that's one of the main points. I, I I'm seeing that a lot of uh, journalists, especially. They they missed all the time when when they when they start like waxing poetic about some of the Mexican players going abroad and it's like the faster paced and 
and blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? If some of these teams came and played over here, they wouldn't look that good. Yeah, they would they die. Would, <laughs> you, you just wouldn't be able to keep up. And it's 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 like you said, uh, there's been a lot of like uh, European players that came to MLS, and they've talked about that. You know, just just how it's way different. Everything, the altitudes, the weather, and it's become hard to adapt. I mean, I, I would love to see Italy go and play El Salvador in the Cuscatlan. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but you know, for people think they're going to win five six zero, it just ain't going to happen. I mean, they're going to be yeah. they're going to they're going to be begging for the ref to blow the woods. Even like the humidity in like Honduras, man. You got San Pedro Sula, man. And they play in the jungle. It's ninety six degrees. <laughs> what? Well, this is one thing that helped the the weather. It's one thing that helped Mexico at the ninety four World Cup. They were stuck in the group of death with these three, uh, at the time, very strong European teams. Italy, which went on to play the final against Brazil. They had Norway, which had been one of the one of the more consistent teams throughout qualifiers, and Ireland, and um, which had a good a good team at that time, yeah, especially if they qualified. Yeah, especially if they qualified from, which was a more tougher because it was less teams going into the World Cup. So back then, if you qualify, you were pretty good. <laughs> you don't have to be that good now to qualify. You just have to be good enough. But back then, if you qualify, because it was what it was, uh, you know, in 94, 24 teams, right? Right. 24 teams that will go to the World Cup. And before that, 16. So that's that's why sometimes they said that uh, they had better games. But uh, regardless, I would say even at 24, that was some, some you had some, top competition and that's what helped Mexico in that group because they were playing some midday games in high heat and that I that to me helped helped them qualify you know it slowed down some yeah. of these some they of these teams a, there Ireland and Orlando was like 120 degrees on the field <laughs> and uh, yeah I mean the Irish I mean they're not they weren't they're not used to that yeah some I mean, ginger guys I mean, but this, that you know, that's what, and I remember you know South Korea had the same thing with Germany. They uh, they played at the Cotton Bowl, where again it was ridiculously hot. Germany goes up three zero, but they were you know by the end of the game they had no legs, <laughs> and South Korea came so close to, to, to tying, and even they ended up being three two. But they, I mean, you know, had that game lasted five minutes more, they would have equalized easily because the Germans <laughs> because of, because yeah. Because back then, the only way that the Mexicos and the, and the Koreas and, and, and you know, the, 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 those smaller countries, soccer-wise, could compete with the big boys was to try and outlast them. I mean, that, that's why Mexico, you always said, well, they're, you know, one of the best conditioned teams. Well, that, that they, have, they have no choice because they have to run around so much when they, when they play those games. And... Uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. I mean, the fact that they played and they played Italy in the heat, uh, I don't think it was as hot against uh, Norway, which they should have won the Javier. Oh, yeah. You know, this yeah. Day, Sage, this Sage missed an open net goal. Yeah. <laughs> from, from two feet away. He was two <laughs> feet away. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, no. No. It would have been the equalizer, right? Well, just that, they just had chances the whole, all game long, they had chances. Yeah. 
Yeah, Saguinho, yeah, man. He missed from two feet. From two feet, he missed. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. He ended up not hurting him that much. No, but you're right, though. And it's, uh, yeah, so I'm all, you know, and I think this is something that even our, our, our friend of the show, Martinez, said, because, you know, people, when he kids lives in Europe, he said, they say, you know, why is it so hard for Mexico to, you know, these are small, well, you know, why can't they beat them? It's like, you come down to San Pedro Sula and play at 3 o'clock in the afternoon where it's 96, <laughs> 96% humidity, and then tell me how easy it is to win this game. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty you know, that, tough. That's why, you know, for, for all of Chepo's faults, and he, he came so closely, you know, if Chepo beats Honduras, when they were up 2-0, which Chara got the two goals against Honduras, if, if they win that game, then Chepo would have coached the Mexico in the World Cup. Well, also, they also I, well, I, thought they got, I thought they got robbed against the U.S. at Azteca. Because to me, there was two... Two penalty kick calls that right. the ref did not give right in the box, man. And uh, you're welcome to go review them for our oh, friendly I, listeners. I, 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 and, I remember, I remember. Yeah. It's like just, 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 which is pretty unusual, man, for a home game not to get two calls. The paso una, but two. It's like, oh man, that that one that could have made the difference too. That those those extra points would have helped. Of course, yeah. You have four extra points. Mexico qualifies easily. They don't, they don't have to go through a bit of like Yeah. <laughs> go to Mordor. Um, yeah, John, ya se viene. Ya se viene mi tiempo. Um, well, uh, very quickly, hold before we go away, we should uh, mention that the uh, you know, Liga Mekis Femenil, yes. uh, I, I think it has done well, and, 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 and the league should be applauded for Certainly, I know that there are, there are teams that are that are making noise that it may not be as cost effective as they would like it to be, and are hoping to uh, not have to, uh, you know, feel the team is uh, as, as required right now by by Liga Mekis, which. Uh, you know, I understand both sides of the argument. Um, I don't understand why it's up to Liga Mekis teams to have this league or to have, or to have the teams in place. Um, you know, if, uh, again, uh, I, I, am a, I am a fan of women's sports. I make a living covering women's sports. And uh, again, I, I have no, no issue or, or problem with sports at all. Don't get me wrong. But I, I, I do think that if, if, if they want women's soccer to be successful in Mexico, then it's going to have to – the, the league can't do it all by themselves, especially I, when it's it, not profitable. I agree, Yon. I think we – here at the cantina, during the pregame, we solved the problem for FMF. So if they were to listen to this episode, they would they would know what to do. So I, I agree with you 100%. I do think uh, the club should have some assistance, like the government should, what is it, subsidize. They should just yeah. help help out and and put some of the some of the funds. And I think something else that the league could do is they could just make regional leagues. You know, uh, provincia. The FA up in Monterrey, you could just have regional leagues 
and and the teams you could have even collegiate teams compete and then like the winner of the regional league they could go meet up for a cup tournament at like a selected venue you know and then just right. hash it out over a weekend and that's it and exactly. I think that would at least that would at least help it grow. You know, it doesn't have to stay that way, but at least until it becomes more profitable or or, or just well, what it does is, know. It, is, it, is, it, is it you know again if, if you want if you, if you want the sport to be successful, you have to expose it to as many athletes as possible. Yes. And so what you're saying is, you know, if it was feasible, then yeah, you know, let you know why can't. The universities, you know, you know, you know, have have teams, yeah, and and be a part of that. So instead of yeah, and the students, well, you don't have to yeah, pay exactly. the students, <laughs> you don't, right? You don't have to pay. You know, them. So you have you have you have the Tigres, you have the club team. Why can't you have the university yeah. team too? Pumas, Pumas, yes, Pumas, Lobos, Buap, like Guadalajara, for example. You know, just if they were to have the regional league, it would be Chivas, it would be. It would be Atlas, and then you have like from the University of of UDG, and and from the Tecos University, uh, Tecos and Leones Negros. That's already for like at least teams like known, and then you could have like smaller clubs, you know. But but it it opens up for all this rivalry, you know. Yeah, and it, it makes, also it creates rivalry because I mean those aren't the only places where they have university. You know, there's there's the Watch, and then there's you know. The, the Watt, there's you know, there's all sorts of other universities that you could do that, and then and that way, yeah, it, it cultivates more competition, and then you know, you know, at that point, yeah, and again, if you so you know, why on earth would you want to subsidize the you know the most heavily subsidized sport in the United States is football, American football, yeah, and saying there's no way, how is that possible? Go look at a list of every state. And see who their highest paid state employee is, and I guarantee you that out of fifty states, forty of them it's going to be the head football coach of the university. Yeah. So yes, American football is heavily subsidized in this country, especially yeah. at the high school level and below. And then uh, you know they they could have like for example the Teco Stadium would be perfect for for yeah. like game games. You don't have I to mean, play. You don't have to play at a fifty k stadium. Oh. <laughs> you, can, you know the Cruz Azul women's team; they play at the at the, at the, at the, the end of December. It's perfect. Yeah, so there is there is smaller stadiums, and they it's just you know typical FMF. You know they just do things last minute, push it out of their ass, and then just throw it there. But I, I do think Mexico has the resources to pull this off. They just need to you know be more methodical about it. I agree 100%, and it's something that they can, uh, you know, if, if they really thought it, you know, and then, you know, I'm sorry, you, you can't just automatically start a league a year and then, and then think that you're going to automatically see anything that that's what happened to them. <laughs> yeah. It's not that they were just going to just take walk through World Cup qualifying. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it ended up not happening. And, and, you know, John, the regional leagues, they don't have to be that that big. It could be eight or ten teams. You know, they, exactly. they could just keep it keep it small and then just hash it out. Maybe they have to play three times. So be it, you know. Play, play each other build, three times. I mean. Build the sport from the, from the grassroots. Find your yeah. players. The more players you can look at, the, 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 the better off you're going to be. 
Yeah, and you know, with having that many more teams, with having that many more teams, that means that many more players, which ultimately is going to make for a better uh, national team. Exactly. But, you know, and and I I also believe, Glenn, that, you know, using this college model can can work not just for the women, it can also work for the men, too. I mean, you know, Onam is a school of 200,000 students. cannot tell me that there isn't you know that there are forty, you know, forty guys that can that, that can, you know, field a, a a very decent, you know, college team, and, and you know, and then have the college circuit, you know, and then, and then and then yeah. you know, break it down to high, have the high school level circuit. That is missing. I, I think Mexico has completely just bypassed that for whatever reasons they have completely. But again, it's it's not just the federation; it's also like the government, which. Of you course. know, they don't. They know, We know. We know what you're trying to say. I mean, it just yeah. I mean, Mexico has what it was it 31, 32 states. Imagine how cool it would be that if if you win your state championship, that every year you go and play like like the state, you know, the, the state cup. 32 teams. You just have a straight up knockout tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. It would. It would be out. You know, for for 16, 17 year old kids. I mean, what a what a great what a great honor you know, be yeah it's uh, it only that's, yeah and, and then you'll have the scouts watching and these guys will end up in in some of the first division teams exactly and I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone's going to end up there but you know out of the 32 teams say there's what 20 so that's 20 so there's what 100 I'm doing math in my head that's what 100 no it's 640 640 kids. Yeah. If you can get 10 kids out of that, yeah. it'd be cool. No, I, I mean, that's No, serious. I agree. If uh, but... like 10 kids out of that that end up becoming pros and doing well, it would be it would be outstanding. Yeah, and that's 10 kids you didn't have before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, and, well, I do appreciate you uh, joining me again, uh, huh. making my, my, my drive yeah. back home. A little more uh, palatable, let's say, but uh, here in the Cantina Mexico's podcast, we uh, we do thank you for joining us. And uh, did we have anybody on the chat, Joel? I'm not sure if. Uh... Oh, man, I didn't check because I was, you know, looking at charts and whatnot. Well, you've been drinking all night, so I'm sure. And I... <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't need we don't need your drunk post too. I should have. I should have checked though. You know, I didn't get the update. I usually get like a little update saying, um, you know, saying, but we do have a firm 65. So, uh, you know, and, and Surge. Surge. So, so we have two quality listeners right there. Outstanding. Well, we do thank them for their patronage as always. And we thank you, uh, the listener who has uh, downloaded this podcast from either iTunes or Google Play, as we're available. And please, uh, you know, like us on the on the Facebook. I know the Hoa is very active on the Facebook. Uh, Chikis and I uh, run the Twitter page, so if you don't follow us on Twitter, you can follow us there. Uh, I think we even have an Instagram page for now. I'm not sure why we have, but apparently we have an Instagram page too. So we are we are available on social media on the Campina Nexus podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, if this is the first time you listen, 
One day, one day soon, I'll actually be able to do this podcast, not from the car, which is what I'm looking forward to, to, to doing here. Uh, from the trunk. Uh, exactly. Back, because when I go out, I'm, I'm at home, I'm in my little studio, I've got ah, yes. all my toys and trinkets. Yes. I mean, I haven't played my drops in forever, so. It's, I know. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't heard those in a while, so. Well, we will get that going eventually. Anyway, but I do want to thank you all for listening here on the Continent Mix podcast. Uh, for Juan Aceves, my name is John Chagu. Thank you all very much. We will do this again next week. So please join us again next week here on the